The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Because, you know, we have a lot of problems, a lot of challenges in Mississippi, particularly in the Mississippi Delta. And we come along to say, you know what? God loves you. He cares about you. We're going to bring resources and people in here, and we're going to see a community transform. And we're beginning to see that. In a few moments, you'll meet our first-person guest, who is the founder of But God Ministries, Stan Buckley. Welcome to this weekly interview program featuring the stories of people whose lives have been given in service to Christ and His kingdom. I'm Wayne Shepherd. A special word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company who have made it possible for us to bring you today's interview. FEBC celebrates the stories of people everywhere who give their lives to Jesus. For more about reaching the world for Christ through radio and new media until all have heard, please visit febc.org. But God Ministries is a nonprofit organization that shares the love of Jesus Christ through building sustainable communities around the world. Currently, they are building two sustainable communities in Haiti and one in the Mississippi Delta region. They are involved in an orphan care ministry and medical work on top of everything else. The founder, Stan Buckley, is joining us now to tell the story of this ministry, which begins with his own story of being a lawyer and then becoming a pastor and then founding what we now know as But God Ministries. Well, Wayne, I I, uh, grew up in uh, Mississippi, in Natchez, Mississippi. My dad was a pastor for some 50 years, had a uh, wonderful uh, time growing up in the church, came to faith in Christ when I was an eight-year-old little boy uh, at a revival service there, and um, uh, grew up in the faith, had a very active church, a very vibrant youth ministry, and um, then went off to college. After college, I went to law school immediately. And after three years of that, I graduated, got married while uh, in law school, and moved to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and began practicing law with a firm there, about a 15-member firm there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. My wife and I became very involved in a local church called Temple Baptist Church. We were in a young couples class, and we started teaching children on Sunday morning, Sunday night, growing in our faith. And God, about that time, after about three or four years of doing that, God just began working in my life uh, and letting me know through prayer and through Scripture and through talking to other believers that He had a different route for my life, and that was to go into full-time Christian ministry and at the time to go into the pastor. And Wayne, I got to tell you, I wasn't opposed to that. Uh, I'm not one of those who, you know, ran from the call for five years and God finally <laughs> tracked me down and beat me over the head and I said yes. No big dramatic story that. there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't opposed to that call. I just knew that it wouldn't work. And I knew God didn't know that. So I had to share that with him that it would be impossible because by that time our twin boys had been born. Oh, okay. And so we had one year old twin boys. My wife had come home from work. So we had the little house in the suburbs and all our friends and our wonderful town and our wonderful church, and things were going great with my career with the law firm. Uh, and so I just knew there was no way to make the, the transition from practicing law to going to be a, a pastor. And so I'll never forget, I was taking the, uh, the course Experiencing God, and uh, I remember writing in my little notebook that they tell you, to, to, to a little journal to keep, and I remember writing, God, you're going to have to show me how this is going to work. Well, I, I turned the page, and what did I see? Matthew six thirty three. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. 
And God was saying to me, Stan, this isn't about you going and doing a specific task. The issue is, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to, to trust me with the, even the most important things in your life, your wife and your children? Uh, do you really, really believe? I'm not going to give you all the details. I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go, where you're going to serve, how it's going to all work out. I just want to know, do you trust me? And Wayne, I'm here to tell you, you can trust him. You can, absolutely. And so uh, I ended up uh, going, starting seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, and I was commuting there two and a half hours each way every day. Wait a minute, you're, forth, you're, a, you're a lawyer who went to seminary. That's correct. I had gone to law school for three years. I practiced law for four years. And then, fortunately, some of the partners in the firm where I was were, were believers. They were Christians. And so I started uh, I started seminary in January. But remember, my wife had come home from work. I had two children to support. How are we going to eat? Pay our, pay our house note. Hmm. Well, they gave me a laptop, and so I could transcribe depositions, summarize depositions. <laughs> so every day, Wayne, I'm up at 4 o'clock, getting in a car and traveling two and a half hours. Oh, boy. And the guys I was traveling with, they'd be sleeping, but I'd be building time. And they allowed me to build time. In between classes, when they're all sitting around yucking it up, you know, I'm over there building time. I got a family to see on the way home. And for that whole semester, I would tell you, God is so faithful. My wife didn't have to go back to work, and we never missed a house note. We never missed a a meal. God simply provided. And uh, it was at the end of that first semester, a little church at Summerland Baptist Church in Taylorsville, Mississippi, called, and I ended up going to be their pastor. And for four years, Wayne, it was some of the greatest years of our lives. It was a small little church in a rural setting, but I got to tell you, God worked, and He moved. The church doubled in size. We were baptizing folks, people getting saved. There were families being put back together. We expanded the sanctuary. We 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 put in two parking lots. It was just incredible. They loved us. We loved them. Our daughter was born there. It was a fantastic time there at the first church where I ever pastored for four years in a little rural setting. Hmm. And um, it was after that that God called us to what I call a little county seat setting, also in Mississippi, uh, for four years. And there was a community college there, so it was a little more complex, the church was. And God was teaching me things all along. And so four years, again, God did some great things. And He grew us in our faith, and we saw the church grow. And after that, after about four years, He called me to the last church. I pastored full-time. It was the First Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, It's a little unusual church. It's about 175 years old. It's in downtown Jackson, Mississippi, uh, about 5,000 members. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, Mississippi's a small state. As as we say, it's not a state, it's a club. Everybody (laughs) knows everyone. And and so, uh, but this church, like I said, it was downtown right across the street from the state capitol. The Mississippi Baptist Convention is across the other street. Beautiful 3,000-seat sanctuary. And it was really unusual. Every Sunday I'm preaching, there are two former governors out there, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court's there, the State Attorney General of the U.S. Senators. It's just one of those kinds of churches downtown in the state capitol. And then a lot of loving, godly people. Hmm. And um, it was there after about uh, almost eight years that God led me out of the pastor into doing the work I do now in the country of Haiti and in the Mississippi Delta. What an exciting story. Uh, We always uh, ask the question about how God called people on this program, and you have very exciting stories, Dan. I don't know if I've ever heard a lawyer preach, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we give a good shot. I would tell you that that legal training, God has used that. People ask me, well, was that a waste of time? Absolutely not. A lot of times when I preach, I'm just building my case. And instead of supporting my thesis with, you know, statutes or with uh, case law, I'm supporting it with Scripture. What does God's Word say? <laughs> this is the premise, and let's see what God's Word says about it. So there are some similarities. That's fascinating. Well, let's talk about what you do now. As you suggest, you're very much involved in the country of Haiti, and I want to hear how that all came about. It started, God started working on your heart as a senior pastor at First Baptist Jackson, right? That's correct. I was senior pastor there, and a guy came to see me. I don't even know how he got an appointment, because I didn't want to see him. <laughs> I knew what he wanted. He wanted me to, to, to go down to the country of Haiti and to see the work that he was doing. And uh, this was in January, or rather in August of 2010. And you may recall in the news that earlier that year in January is when the big earthquake Oh, sure. Hit. Yeah, devastating and earthquake. It, oh, it was devastating. There were up to 300,000 people instantly killed. Another million became homeless. Mm. Well, this guy who came to see me had doing some work there, and he just saw our church and thought he saw some resources there and, and thought, well, let's get their church involved. So he came to see me. And, you know, Wayne, I, I, I looked at his little pictures. He showed me pictures of people looking are living in tent cities. And when it was over, I patted him on the back, had a little prayer, sent him on his way, thought I was through with this. Well, the Holy Spirit would not allow Mm. me to get out of my mind and heart what I had seen. And so finally, I agreed to go down there. And so a week or so later, we flew down there, and I went to the very first tent city that I'd ever been to. And uh, they had sprouted up all over the country because a million people had been homeless. Yes, And I, I went to one that was a little bit unusual in that it was a tent city for amputees. Oh, mm. everywhere I looked, Wayne, there were people with missing hands and legs and feet and arms. It was just awful. And, and I've seen poverty before, but, of course, nothing on this scale. And I just had to get away by myself and just process what I was seeing. And so I'm walking down a little pathway, and I look up, and there's a young man walking towards me. Obviously, he was Haitian, appeared to be about 19 or 20, and I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to see what his story was because, you know, everyone you meet every day has a story. And so I walked up to him, and sure enough, his English was great, and his name was Thomas. And this is where we got the organization for the – excuse me, the name for the organization I now lead, which is called But. God Ministries. Mm -hmm. You see, I was talking to Thomas, and I looked at him. I said, Thomas, why are you here in this tent city? Because when I looked at him, his hands were there, his feet, nothing seemed to be missing. He said, well, in the earthquake, he said, my my school was destroyed, my home was destroyed, my dad was killed. He said, my mom became an amputee, and that's how we ended up here. I said, well, well, Thomas, what's it like here? You've been here seven months, and he didn't complain. He just answered the question. He said, it's not good. Food's not good. Water's not good. And I said, well, how do you survive mentally and emotionally day after day, week after week, month after month? Now, he didn't know what I did for a living. He didn't know I was a pastor. He didn't know anything about me. But he said, well, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. I said, you don't say. He said, oh, yeah. He said, and in that book, it says there's a time for everything. There's a time to laugh and a time to cry. And sometimes we laugh. And sometimes we cry. Mm -hmm. And then, Wayne, I just blurted out what, in hindsight, is the dumbest question any human has ever asked another (laughs) since the time of Adam and Eve. It was crazy. I don't even know why I asked it. Well, I didn't then. I think I do now. But I asked him, I said, well, Thomas, if it were possible for you and your mom and your family to move out of this community into a brand new community where you could finish your education, where there was decent housing, where you could get a, a job and there was access to health care and, and clean water and, and healthy food, you think you'd be interested in moving? <laughs> he looked at me like, what are you, crazy? He said, well, of course we would be interested. And then he said, but that's impossible. 
And Wayne, I don't know about you or your listeners, but God hasn't spoken to me audibly yet. I can't wait till that day happens. But I can tell you this, in a split second, the Spirit of God spoke to my spirit two words, but God. And all of a sudden, my mind began to just race through the Bible at all the times that God has showed up in impossible situations. Because mm-hmm. you know right. when he does his best work. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about the Israelites standing there at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's armies coming after them. I'm thinking about the uh, the lion's den and the fiery furnace. And all of a sudden, while I'm two feet from this guy, my mind jumps into the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 2, which I think describes the most impossible situation that we all face. Remember, Paul said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Mm-hmm. We're just dead people walking, spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. No hope, no future, nothing we can do about it. And then he says, but God who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. There's still a big pastor's heart in Stan Buckley, and we'll continue to meet this man coming up in a moment on First Person. When I first heard the good news on the FBCC station, I tried praying to Jesus for the first time. Life is difficult, but Christ is helping me see things differently. The Far East Broadcasting Company receives millions of responses each year from grateful listeners. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. My guest is Stan Buckley. Stan has been a lawyer, a pastor, and now leads But God Ministries. He's also the author of I Was Thinking, Musings and Meditations of a Lawyer, Megachurch Pastor, and General Do-Gooder. <laughs> Stan Buckley, our guest here on First Person. Uh, Stan, when we took the break, you were just beginning to tell us about uh, how God led you uh, to Haiti and into this ministry, establishing this ministry, But God Ministries. So what has happened uh, since 2010? Well, since 2010, um, we uh, I went back after I, my first uh, trip there and uh, shared the vision of this that God gave us at our church that we would build a sustainable community there from scratch on an island. And it would have 40 houses and water wells and medical clinic, dental clinic, and a school and a church, just the whole nine yards. And so we began construction, raised in one Sunday. The church is very generous, raised about half a million dollars, $500,000 on a one Sunday offering. Hmm. And then we had a national TV broadcast and a statewide broadcast. Another 100000 came in. And so that was our seed money, about 600000 to start this, this work. And since that time, I would tell you, when we began construction in Haiti in 2011 of our first community. And since then, we have three locations there. Uh, and in two of our locations, we have what we call a hope center, and that's a big walled compound with our medical clinics and dental clinics and missionary housing and a team for uh, dorm space. And we have eight full-time missionaries. We have uh, two clinics with full-time Haitian doctors and nurses. And, Wayne, we host teams on trips. We'll have about 850 people every year go to Haiti with us. Mm. And they go to one of our two locations, and we have two pharmacies allowed. In our third location, Wayne, we have a, a, a mini hospital for starving children. Oh we can have up to uh, 12 children at a time who can come, and they can usually stay about seven weeks. And uh, we have 24-7 care with uh, nurses there full-time and nannies and a pediatrician who comes by weekly. And um, and so that's just saved all kinds of lives there, one of our, our great ministries there. Well, this is so comprehensive, Stan. i got to ask you, though, I mean, I've been to Haiti just briefly. Uh, visiting family there, but uh, the need seems to be so overwhelming. 
are you able to make a difference? Are you able to, in that ocean of need, uh, you know, the, the drops that you can put in, is it making a difference? Uh, well, if you ask the people in the three three areas where we're working, they would, I think, give you a resounding yes. Uh, Wayne, I always go back to Luke chapter 15 when I'm asked a question similar to this. Uh, and in Luke chapter 15, you remember Jesus talked about the lost sheep, the, the one sheep that was mm-hmm. lost out of the hundred, and the lady lost the one coin out of the ten. Yep. And what we learn from that is the one matters. The one absolutely matters. And, and you know, Jesus said there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So when we have when we have treated 60,000 patients in our clinic, when we built over 140 houses down there, when we feed 1,200 children every single day at our schools that we have, you ask those families, does it matter? Are you making a difference? And I think they would say yes. Can we, can we solve every problem in Haiti? Absolutely not. Uh, but we can make a difference where God has placed us. Absolutely. We can Understand. lead people to faith in Christ, and they can have hope there. Where do the workers come from? Well, our missionaries, for example, they come from all over. Uh, generally, we're based in Mississippi, generally from the southeast. Although, I will tell you, we have teams from Oregon, Virginia, Colorado, Oklahoma, in every state in the southeast. And God just raises them up. It's just like we also work after about five years, we started working in the Mississippi Delta. And people said, well, you can't get a doctor or someone to, um, to to move to the Mississippi Delta. I said, well, you can't. I can't, but God can. <laughs> I said, we're, uh, I'll tell you what, one, of my, one of my favorite stories, Wayne, I was, I was coming out of Haiti. I was talking to this lady uh, on a plane, and she was very nice. And, and, and she works, she's out of the Miami area, and she works with a little little orphanage down there and, some, and a little clinic. And, and she asked what I do, and I told her all that we do and, and all the doctors and nurses. And she said, well, how much? Do you pay the doctors to come down here? I said, "Well, what do you mean?" She said, "Well, how much do you?" I said, "We don't pay them anything. They pay us to come." She said, "No, really. How much do you pay them?" I said, "We don't pay them anything." I said, "We also have engineers and construction workers and teachers and plumbers and electricians." She said, "Well, how much do you pay them?" I said, "We don't pay them anything. They pay us." She said, "I can't believe it. I can't get two people from just from Miami to come down and help in our clinic." I said, you're asking the wrong people. You need to go to the churches. God's people love to serve and to share and to give. That's just in the DNA of a Christian. And I was so happy to be able to report that God's people are at work in this world, giving and sharing and going. Well, in the case of these medical professionals, uh, for how long a period do they go and, and what are they able to accomplish while they're there? Very good. Well, they usually go because one of our missionaries is a nurse practitioner, right? So he is overseeing our clinic down there, working with our Haitian doctors. So usually they'll come down for the the medical professionals come for a week at a time. And what we tell people, Wayne, is when you come with us, it's not just a random trip. You're adding value to what we're already doing. So if a medical prof- professional comes, and, and he may be in dermatology, he may be a general uh, family practice, or whatever he does, well, when he leaves, it's not over, because we then have those people in our electronic medical records database, and those patients come back, and we do follow-up treatment. Okay. And so because we have a permanent presence, we have, we have people who come year after year after year, sometimes twice a year. Yeah. But they're adding value to what we're already doing, and we continue that work. Yeah. I have a couple of minutes left. Uh, Stan, I know that your heart is for the gospel. Uh, you're, you're helping people with all these needs for food and medicine and all that, but at the heart of this is the gospel, right? Absolutely. What we tell folks is we're not there just to create a better place for people to go to hell from. 
we're there too. Yes, we're going to do the, the, the physical thing, meet those needs, but in every aspect of what we do, we're sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. We're sharing the good news that God loved this world so much, He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And you have eternal life, you have the abundant life, and it's found in Jesus Christ. And so we do lots of, uh, we have two churches there, we have Haitian pastors, we do Bible studies, vacation Bible school activities year-round. And so in every aspect of what we're doing, whether we're building a house or educating children or digging water wells, treating patients, we're infusing all of that with the hope of the gospel. Hmm. And if I'm not a doctor or professional of any kind, is there something I can do? Good question, Wayne. Most of our most of our trips say we have twenty four people on a trip. They're multifunctional, so you're going to have some who are doing construction. Maybe they're building a house. Some are doing medical. Some are doing Bible studies. Some are doing past teaching pastors conferences. The pastors are desperate for more education and learning and knowledge. Uh, you may go to our uh, malnutrition center, Rock Babies. You may go to our orphanage and work with the children in the orphanage. As I tell somebody, I was a a lawyer and a preacher, which means I really can't do anything, <laughs> and even I can go down there. And so there's something for everyone because we take this holistic approach. Well, it's it's wonderful to hear about this, Stan, and, and I know that uh, I'm sure there are going to be some people who are going to want to know more about this, and they can do that by going to our program website, firstpersoninterview.com, and we'll put information on how they can get in touch with you there, firstpersoninterview.com. Can I take you back, though, just briefly? You mentioned the Mississippi Delta. What's going on there? Well, we um, we decided it was always in the back of my mind when we went to Haiti that we would learn some principles of uh, community, Christian community development, and then we would come back and apply those principles here in our own state in Mississippi. Because, you know, we have a lot of problems, a lot of challenges in Mississippi, particularly in the Mississippi Delta. It's an area of tremendous poverty. And so we do the same thing we're doing in Haiti. We're sharing the gospel. We're building houses. We have a medical clinic. We have a little school there. And we built a Hope Center there that can house 40 people. So we host mission trips. Last year was the first year of our Hope Center. We had over 300 people come on mission trips hmm. from around the country. And so people can come. Maybe they can't go internationally for some reason, but they can come right here in the United States. They can fly into Memphis if they want to. We're just an hour drive down uh, to where we're located in Jonestown, Mississippi. And so you can come right there. And I got to tell you, Wayne, as we started there a couple of years ago, this is a little town with, imagine this, no grocery store, no medical clinic, no dental clinic, no pharmacy, no bank. I don't know how you have a community without a bank with no jobs, very little hope. And we come along to say, you know what, guys, it can be better. God loves you. He cares about you. We're going to bring resources and people in here to partner with you. And uh, and we're going to see a community transformed. And we're beginning to see that. Stan, I'm sure you network with churches who are looking for a way to get involved in either in Mississippi or in Haiti, right? We absolutely do. In fact, of the thousand people between Haiti and the Delta who go on our trips, the majority of those are churches. And so what they can do is go to our website, butgodministries.com. They can see where we're working. They can see the trips that are available, what's involved in uh, becoming one of our uh, uh, teams that go on a trip. And then they can call our office. We have a lady by the name of Beth, and she will be the contact person, and she'll walk you through the whole process of how you can come and, and be a part of the great work that God's doing in either Haiti or the And if you'd like to follow up and learn more about the ministry Stan Buckley described, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com where you'll find links to But God Ministries. That's FirstPersonInterview.com. Thanks for listening to First Person. We're here each week featuring the stories of followers of Christ who've been called to a unique place of service and are making a spiritual difference as they live for the Lord. 
These conversations are made possible through the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, who love to hear how God works in the lives of people for His glory. Please take a moment and learn how to pray for FEBC and its listeners by visiting febc.org, febc.org. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.